0: Good morning. It is April 16th. This is John Watson and this is the audio version of my blog post, my Death by Tech blog post called Parable of the Pig. This post is going out to everybody, not just paid subscribers, but thank you very much for subscribing and I hope you enjoy this. The tagline for my Death by Tech blog is mostly tech, lots of Linux, some fiction, a few dogs. These are the ramblings of a career sysadmin working in InfoSec. That tagline might be a little long, but this is one of those posts that definitely fits into the rambling category. This post is not technical at all. Arguably, it's political, so it's different fare from what I normally send out. I'm not a very political person. Honestly, I find life is full enough that I don't really have the desire to follow our politicians very closely. I don't need to create a deep understanding of who's who in our entire government structure, other than kind of knowing which party's in power, that's important, and the identity of who my local representatives are at the provincial and federal level. But like everyone else, there are periods of time when I become more focused on politics because of something that's happening at this time. The coronavirus pandemic is one of those things. And I've been paying much closer attention to not only our, our own politicians and governments during these days, but also others with the heightened awareness of politicians And politics and government comes exposure to some ideas and processes that I normally don't think about. In this case, namely, it's how our closest neighbor, the United States, is faring through the pandemic. The way that the United States has been handling this pandemic has caused me to pay more attention to the US overall, not just the pandemic stuff. And part of the reason that the US was slow to bring in measures and basically denied the coronavirus was even an issue in the early days is because taking action would have had would well does have an economic impact even today with the u.s having one-fifth of the total global deaths the u.s is still worried about the economic impact of keeping the economy closed down and how that will affect the november election there are links to almost everything i said here uh, in the text blog post and I've provided a little screenshot of the current state as of this. This blog post is actually made on Sunday, the twelfth, April twelfth, uh, and I took the screenshot yesterday. So as of April eleventh, I have a little screenshot of the top three countries and how they're faring. And the United States is, of course, uh, topping the list by a lot. So we're all well aware that the U.S. is the poster child for capitalism. Uh, Businesses rule the country, even more so now during this time, because the incumbent POTUS is a businessman. And lobby groups and industries, as well as private billionaires, funnel massive amounts of cash into the coffers of politicians who will push their own agendas. Politicians and industries are willing to completely gut working systems, putting the country at a permanently high risk of collapse. Uh, We've seen that uh, from the 2008 subprime mortgage fiasco, where every dollar was completely over-leveraged. And the seemingly unstoppable rise in the U.S. debt. The country seems to be on a crash course to just an economic crater to me. But I'm not an economist, and nor am I in the possession of any other skills to make that call with certainty. But what I do have is a lot of curiosity. And I started thinking about how the U.S. ended up like this. How did it go from the beacon of freedom in the world, so loved that France sent a statue, a remarkable feat even today, into a country that seriously considers just letting the elderly die rather than risk damaging the economy. And there's a link to that. That's an incredible fall from grace, and it's really hard to fathom, but every big thing is comprised of many small things, and the first few steps that began this journey to extreme capitalism may have involved a pig. Here's the parable of the pig. We all understand that money is ephemeral storage. It's a temporary place to store value prior to money there was no way to store value if I had a wheelbarrow and I wanted a pig I'd have to find someone with a pig that wanted a wheelbarrow that does not scale well but it was the only way to do things because at that time the intrinsic value of an item was the only value that item had there was no way to transfer the value of that wheelbarrow somewhere temporarily but because that transaction doesn't scale well it doesn't mean it can't scale well either side of that transaction does scale if, the, if they're decoupled, there's many more people who individually want a pig or who want a wheelbarrow than there are people who want a pig and also have a wheelbarrow to trade for said pig. To free up the value of that wheelbarrow prior to finding the pig guy who also wants a wheelbarrow, we need money. Money allows a wheelbarrow guy to sell his wheelbarrow to a guy without a pig and temporarily store that wheelbarrow's value in money until the pig guy comes along. He can then release that stored wheelbarrow value that is currently stored in money to the pig guy and finally get his pig. This is good because it allows the wheelbarrow to be put to use by someone now instead of just sitting around collecting dust while we're waiting for pig guy to come along. The problem arises when the other sellers at the market who do not sell pigs realize that wheelbarrow guy, now bereft of his wheelbarrow, has money in his pocket. The sellers start to focus on Wheelbarrow Guy and entice him to buy their wares with that money. Wheelbarrow Guy starts to think he doesn't need that pig after all. He needs that thing that the merchant is holding up right here in front of him at the market. That thing that he can easily buy with his stored wheelbarrow value right now instead of the eventual pig seller that may never come along. The merchants are less interested in wheelbarrow guy's needs or well-being than they are about moving that money from his pocket to theirs. Somewhere in there are the seeds of capitalism. When the reason for the market changes from the exchange of goods to the collection of wealth, that is where capitalism gets a foothold and survives. I'm not suggesting we go back to bartering. The existence of temporary ways to store value helps a lot, but it goes awry when storing, temporary value, storing value temporarily sorry, turns into hoarding wealth permanently for no particular purpose. That's the end of the parable. I'm not even sure if it makes sense. I'm not even sure if it's a parable, to be honest. But it has some truth to it. And we're seeing what happens to a country that has lost its way and seeks only to hoard wealth rather than trying to operate a legitimate market to facilitate people's needs and wants. The impact of successive governments that deprioritize the health of its citizens in favor of supporting the hoarding of wealth by other citizens far outpaces American economic concerns. We're seeing an example of this now in the U.S. One of the most advanced countries in the world, maybe the most advanced country in the world, has the largest number of infected people and is overwhelming its healthcare system in many places because it considers commerce to be the critical care patient in the U.S., not the people. That's the end of this blog post. You can find it uh, on my Death by Tech site, which is at dbt, deathbytech, dot And that's probably the last political post that you'll post in quite a while because it's not really my cup of tea, but I hope you enjoyed it.